you're listening to Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. I was lightning before the thunder. There you go. Is this real? Very profound lyrics. Feel the thunder. This is great. I, I love our text. Who needs, who needs Google? Who needs Siri? Who needs this? Text line, help me. What's that song? Boom. Got about 40 of them right away. Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons? Mm-hmm. We're talking about Thunder and Lightning. If Javante Williams is me is frightening. If, if Javante Williams Better is your... Better knock on wood. That Amy Stewart. Thunder. Should the Broncos take advantage of a deep, deep, deep free agent running back class and go get themselves a Lightning? Sean Payton and George Payton will be talking here at the Combine, uh, scheduled to go in the next half hour. So if we can turn some of that around for you, we will. Mm. Kurt Warner, yeah, I Hall of Famer Kurt Warner is going to be joining us at 930. Uh, I'm he over the weekend came out with a unsolicited opinion of college quarterbacks, evaluating college quarterbacks that actually basically mimicked what you've said about the difficulty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You better not. This is music. Tell me that doesn't make you happy. Even in the snow. Yeah. Even in the snow. It's really snowing out. Yeah, it really is. It's like a snow thunderstorm. Yeah. No, she's not. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rogue is. Rogue kind of likes Rogue's it. into it. I'll take this over Imagine Dragons any day. Yeah. Get a little error. And the video is really cool. Yeah. They Like thunder. And lightning. Okay, I prefer to listen to her. Can I listen to her, please? Not you. What are you talking about? Okay. I am the Amy Stewart of Denver Radio. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, nobody knows more about obscure songs than Mark Schlereth. I, I promise you that. Every every day I come in with a new song and I think I got him. All I have to do is give the title and he has to come up with the uh, the group, the artist, and psh, I've never seen you fail. I've yeah. never, ever, ever seen you fail. Tim Legler. Legs. Legs. An FOS, a friend distinct from your ESPN days. We've got to get him on soon here. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I I love what I, I heard from him. He was on with Scott Van Pelt talking about the Nuggets. And and Van Pelt was awesome because he said, you know, at some point, you know, we're kind of getting to the part of the season where we got to start talking about the reigning champs. And Legs was like, absolutely right. But his view of the Nuggets, interesting, because we, we tend to think of the Nuggets, we think about their offensive firepower, mm-hmm. their offensive execution, the two-man game between Murray and Jokic and the offensive brilliance of Jokic. What what gets overlooked at times despite Michael Malone just every single opportunity he gets to talk about defense is the Nuggets defense. But Tim Legler taking notice. Oh, let's play that. Here we go. Hold on. You ready? Here we go. Despite the fact that there's no doubt the edge wasn't quite there in the regular season, mm-hmm. as you wouldn't expect it to be when you win a title. It's just natural. Right. What is there though, this is a number one rated defensive team in clutch time. They execute because they communicate. They do, not, they do not make mistakes on defensive assignments late in the game. Coaching, folks. 
I know the Michael Malone critics aren't going to like this, but for for a team that is as good as they are offensively and have guys that you may look at and say, you know, outside of an Aaron Gordon, you know, who really, and Catavius Caldwell-Pope, who individually are above average defensive players, probably only those two. But collectively, mm-hmm. they play so well together. And as you heard Leg say, they don't make mistakes. They're well coached. They're disciplined. And in, in a league where, in Legler's opinion, <laughs> teams are leaky when it comes to their defense, especially down the stretch, the Nuggets are nails. They've got great versatility, which means they can switch a lot of things that a lot of teams in this league can't. And they don't make mistakes on those switches. A lot of that is the quarterbacking of Jokic defensively. But then it's it's Gordon Porter's improved that way. They get into guys when they have to. I love that. Yeah, Gordon to me is is kind of the linchpin guy, the guy that takes away your best offensive player, regardless if he's a big, like if he's a four or three or even a five. You'll see that even when they played Philadelphia, this is months ago, you know, when when Embiid decided to play the one in Philly, not when he took one off, but the one in Philly and. Gordon was on. Gordon was on uh, Embiid a bunch. That was, you know, that was a big game plan thing. Where actually Embiid didn't really guard Jokic, and Jokic didn't really guard Embiid in that game. But you know, he draws the the tougher assignments. I think that's the other thing about the bench that probably goes, you know, unquestioned or, or probably doesn't get enough attention is everybody focuses on the scoring off the bench. Who's going to be the scorer off right. the bench? But really, Christian Brown is a guy that played nails on defensive side of the court last year in the playoffs. And, you know, I think that's what Michael Malone's really counting on more than anything I, else. I guarantee you that you get Michael Malone in a private moment. He talks about the playoffs and what he wants from from his bench, especially Christian Brown and Peyton Watson. I want energy. I want defense. I want, I want hustle plays. I want uh, uh, drawing charges. I want deflections. I want rebounds. Um, I, I really don't need a lot in the way of points. Yeah, I've from, got from you two. I'll I, get, I got plenty I'll, of that. I'll get my points. Right, right. Yeah, we'll we'll feed the ball into Jokic, the two man game with Murray. We'll kick it out on the uh, on the you know on the corner to to MPJ. And oh, by the way, every now and again, I'll get three or four lob dunks to Gordon. We're, we're going to be fine. Right. One more from Legler, and w- when you look at how good the Nuggets are closing out games, again, we tend to focus on their amazing offensive execution. But if you're putting together. Uh, 10-2 runs to close out games, or the other night, you go from being up 15, or down 15, then you go on a 28-4 to run mm-hmm. at the end of the second quarter, beginning of the third quarter. If you're going on a run like that, you got to be playing some defense, and what impresses Legler is just overall why the Nuggets are the best in the clutch in the NBA. This is the group, if you have to trust somebody late, Make a play defensively, execute a, a, a game plan, or run something to get a quality shot when you have to have it. I trust Denver still more than anybody in the league. Amen. Mm. Boom. Love that. There isn't a team you can trust more in the clutch than the Nuggets. Why? You guys were winning championships back-to-back. Why, why were you so good in the clutch? I know why we know why players, individual players, can be good in the clutch. Why sure. why are teams good in the clutch? Well, that's think, a great question. I'll tell you what, because I think there's a lot of layers to that. Okay, hold that thought. All I, right, because the Nuggets are unbelievably clutch, both ends of the floor. Why, as a unit, 
are they clutch? Mark will give you his take on that. Kurt Warner joins us at 930. All coming up next. Ever since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my hiding spots. Ha! Found ya. How? That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity. Now through March 21st, get started with 200 megabit internet for $25 a month for two years with no annual contract and get Wi-Fi equipment included. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Requires paperless plan auto pay stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Taxes and fees extra. After promo, regular rates apply to internet service and Wi-Fi equipment. Actual speeds vary. Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. <laughs> But we talk so much about mobility, and I'm guilty of this. I spend so much time in the NBA talking about a collection of all-stars and mobility, and this team has one all-star in 10 years. It's Jokic. Jamal Murray, in the crowded West with all those great guards, never made an all-star team. They're high IQ, huge, just enough depth, can be great defensively in spots with a bunch of shooters. Colin Coward. Is a fan of the Nuggets. He just is. He is. He is. <laughs> NBA players are tall. They are. They just are. <laughs> the Nuggets are good. They're good. They're really good. By the way, uh, one more from uh, Coward. He right. says the Nuggets are going to win the championship. Jokic is the best player in the league without question. Jokic and Murray are the best combo. They have the best starting five. Plus, minus, only Boston is close. And Aaron Gordon's length defensively and Michael Porter can be streaky, but he's gifted offensively. Add in a very well-coached team with just enough depth. They're winning the title. JC, no. (laughs) I'm with him. Back to back. Yeah. Dynasty, baby. Dynasty. Yeah. Malone, where are you guys, Kansas City? Malone said it. Dynasty, dynasty, dynasty. Three times. Mm-hmm. But we were talking before the break. Uh, Tim Legler was going on about how just impressed he is with whether it's offensively or defensively. And it's great, it's great to see the Nuggets defensively uh, getting noticed by more and more people. But he said there's no better, more trusted team in the clutch than the Denver Nuggets. No other team in the NBA you can trust in the clutch like you can trust Mm -hmm. the Nuggets. We all kind of have an idea of what makes an individual clutch. But what makes a team clutch? Um, You know, a lot of people on the text line would say confidence. Confidence makes a team clutch. But how, how do you develop confidence? That would be my question to you. How do you develop confidence? And I believe that you develop confidence because you have an identity. You know what you are, and you know in crunch times what you're capable of and what you're going to do. And this is funny. I've had this conversation with a bunch of NFL coaches, and it you know it usually rests on the run game. And when I get asked questions about the run game, is is something that most of the time what I get kind of hired or asked to do was is consult in that in that realm and you know I talk about are you a, a shot team or a conversion team and meaning second down and one are you trying to take a shot or are you trying to convert and for me I want three more downs so I'm going to convert and that's always what we were under Mike Shanahan we were a conversion team and so when I get into those situations 
I knew there were three calls that were coming on the, from the sideline. And you know what the other team knew? There were three calls coming in from the sideline. They knew that too. But confidence and your ability to convert and your ability to make plays in the clutch come from, I know what we're going to run. And I'm so supremely confident what we're going to run. And, I'm, and I believe in our identity, what we are, what we've built. And I believe that even if you know what we're doing, I'm better than you. I will out-execute you. Because you know what? I do it every single time. This is the first time you get to do it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep, okay. Like, so if I'm running... If I'm running in short yardage and I'm running, let's let's call a 19 handoff. I'm going to run 19 handoff a week. And this is our short yardage go-to play. Okay? Or let's say we're out of solo and we're going to 19 handoff strong or 19 handoff, whatever it is, right? So we're running a 19 handoff. You've had to defend it once or twice during the course of the season. I've run it 150 times. So... Of course I'm going to out-execute you. Why? Because it's what I do. It's not what you do every time. Mm -hmm. It's what I do every time. That's where identity becomes so important, especially in the run game. And that's where so many teams screw things up because they want to make their menu so thick. It's like going to freaking, um, what's that restaurant that's got the biggest menu in the world? Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake Factory. Dude, you can't even freaking pick. I know. Like you eat so many appetizers, by the time it's time to pick your meal, you're not even hungry anymore. Of course, you order it because you're fat, <laughs> and then you not if you're on soda. No, not if you're on soda, but you, you're gonna eat it and and just pound it because <laughs> that's what you do. That's right. Because the Lord hates a quitter. Right, Zach Bauer. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm gonna pound it. <laughs> so. I completely agree. I mean, if you look at the Nuggets, you've got a, a coaching a coaching staff. A coach has been here for nine years. You got Jokic has been here for all that time. Uh -huh. Murray's been here for almost all that time. Uh, Gordon's been here now a few years. Right. You you can understand where that continuity and that uh, that identity that you're talking about that leads to the performance in the clutch. I I also would add, you better have people with high IQ. Yes. A high IQ in the sport that we're talking about. I, I just, I don't think that you can be this clutch in those situations. Sure, confidence matters. Sure, continuity and, and, and identity matters. But I think also just having smart people out there that, can read, balls, that, that can read situations mm -hmm. and just, I think there's a lot that goes into it. it it's not an easy to copy formula. If it was then everybody would be doing it. The reason why the Nuggets are doing it better than anybody else, and that, in Legler's words, they're the most trusted team in the clutch, it's a multi-layered, beautiful sure. recipe. Yeah. Plus, let's not forget, the biggest reason of them all. Mm -hmm. They got a higher boo rating than anybody else. Big time boo rating. That's a great point. What's the boo rating? Um, balls over opponent. <laughs> They've got bigger balls, balls than their man. opponent. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. Michael Michael Malone talked about Jamal having ginormous balls. <laughs> What's the matter with you? He said it. <laughs> he did. He said he's got kids got balls. Kids got balls. So giant balls. Giant. 
clackers. <laughs> Did you see, by the way, after the game the other day when Murray's doing the on-court interview and Malone comes up behind him and lifts him up and... No, I didn't see that. Murray was like, who's that? And then he turns around and sees, ah, coach. Then he turns around and grabs Malone, grab, pulls, you know, pulls him up. Hmm. Just just having fun out there on the court. Seems a little suspect. <laughs> you know, I just hope nobody gets hurt. Right. As long as he stays away from the tibias, I think he'll be fine. Right. You don't want to drop him on his tibias. No. But um, uh, it speaks to the relationship. But, it speaks to the trust. It speaks to the belief. Yeah. It speaks to the connection. It's... uh. And 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 add it all and, and the greatest, all joking aside, you know what brings it all together? All these things we're talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. IQ and continuity and doing the same things year after year. You know what brings it all together? When you win, when you win a championship, all of a sudden you just go to a whole nother level of confidence, awareness, mm-hmm. belief, recognition. I th- I all think this stuff. I think because as comment, a champion, you just are all right. of a sudden like, all right. I, I think I think that the comment you made about intelligence is vastly underrated. And you know, all those years, New England was winning championship after championship. You know what they had more than any other team in the league at that at that point. They had Good more people. More and they did have that. More college graduates on their team than any other team in, in football. And that wasn't a coincidence. No. They wanted smart players. We used to say it all the time. Coach Alex Gibbs used to say this all the time. Dumb guys will get you fired. Mm-hmm. The moment gets big, and you know what? They don't they don't use intelligence. They don't they don't use their brains well, to kind of anticipate. One of the one of the Guiding principles of the way the Patriots tried to do things over the years was we we feel that more games are lost than won. Mm-hmm. And you know what we're going to do? We're just going to make sure we don't make mistakes because we know eventually you will. Right. And we'll end up, and we'll end up winning because Especially of it. Especially when we know everything that you're doing based on the <laughs> film that we took. Exactly. That's smart. That's being a smart guy. That's smart. <laughs> but no, that's... I think there's a lot of truth to that. I, I think more games are are just lost by a team than are won by a particular team, yeah. and that if you uh, if you just avoid making mistakes and doing dumb things, eventually your opponent will. Hmm. Yeah. And that's well, no I think cap. that's I think it's a hundred percent true. It's a blizzard out there, Mike. It is a blizzard. Think we'll get accumulation? Got to. Kind of warm. It was warmer this morning. It's the wet so snow. it's going to take yeah. It's the wet snow. This it's going to take a while. This is good. We need the moisture for it to start to accumulate. No, seriously. I hope that's I, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that always? That's so, it's funny. Hundred percent of the time. It's hundred percent. Hundred percent. Even when it doesn't have context to it, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's always funny. Ah, that's what she said. Everyone does that now. Uh huh. No, we need it. All, all kidding aside. Yeah, we had red flag warnings. Just last few days with all the wind and everything things were drying out so this is good this yeah. is good hopefully hopefully the whole state's getting it uh to some degree that's that's awesome kurt warner is uh going to join us uh coming up here in just a little bit well let, let's set it up so that we can hit the ground running with kurt you you have been you have been making the observation 
Man, you were in a crusty mood. Boy, if you go back and listen to the show podcast, if you can, go back and listen specifically from 6 a.m. to 6.08. Boy, was Mark grumpy to start the show. I don't know show. that I was that grumpy. I think he was happy. Because he was he was receiving validation. That's true. Justice. That's true. That's I true. just was. But I you was, were just like he was you were fierce. You were smoking college football. Hey, I mean, you were basically telling college football fans you are endorsing a horrible product every time you go out and watch f- football on Saturday. You are in. You are enabling a horrible product. It is. It is a bad product. I mean, it's. It, like there are very few things, and, and Kerr Warner talked about this on X or whatever the platform, uh, Twitter. Basically, like it's really hard to evaluate college quarterbacks because they're not asked to really do anything. And so, this is what I've been saying to you guys for the last couple of weeks that we've been doing this. Every time I put on the tape, I'm like, how do you how do you evaluate when I spread you out and two by three, four by one, you know, and and I basically just pick one dude and say, that's who I'm throwing to 100% of the time. Very rarely do I ever go through a progression. Very rarely do I ever eliminate anything. So you're not you're not quickly going, hey, let me look at this, confirm it post-snap, get to the opposite side. It, it just becomes a very, it's a very kind of almost basketball one-on-one game. You are right, Mark, and you are handsome. Well, when you say it, yeah, I, I, I kind of listen. But when Kurt Warner, a quarterback, <laughs> right, right. a skilled position player, uh-huh. says it, then I really listen, and Kurt Warner will join us coming up next. It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Before we bring Kurt Warner on, why don't you lay out your observation of college quarterbacks so we have it established here before we uh, break Yeah, I, I did I did feel some validation because, you know, I, I come on this program and I tell you what I think, and you're like rolling your eyes and, you know, like with a grain of salt. If a quarterback says it, then it becomes gospel, right? you know, for you. But I was like, I've never seen so many bubble screens, so many slam passes, so the inability to eliminate part of the field, like, pre- and post-snap and get to a secondary read, it like lock on the slot guy and in static formations, there's no movement, there's no change of personnel. I'm like watching college football and it's really hard to digest. And I think beyond arm talent and athletic ability, it's virtually impossible to to actually evaluate what a quarterback is and isn't. Yeah, well, that sounds good, but you're a fat offensive lineman. I need, I need to hear from a quarterback. Let's bring in uh, Kurt Warner as he joins us now. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning. You want the gospel? I got it for you. Yeah. No, I'm, just, uh, I'm just playing. Uh, but, yeah, everything Mark was saying is exactly how I feel when you start to evaluate these guys. The first thing I always like to say, too, is that and you know, everybody that's made the jump from college to pro understands that none of these guys are going to be able to do – what they did in college um, when they get to the NFL. They're all going to have to be better. And so that's the first part of the projection, the projection that's so hard is that it's not only, okay, i got to see what I did in college, but you've got to be better than that in the NFL. And none of us know who's going to be able to make that jump to the next step. But then beyond that, it, it is. It's so much about the offenses and the lack of what 
they're giving quarterbacks and challenging them to do. It's so much, hey, pick a side, pick a guy. If he's not there, run around and create, which is not going to be able to happen at the next level. And so, you know, it's, it's really tough as I start to break these guys down for people and you say that. They don't fully understand what that means. And so uh, I've kind of got into a series. So my son plays college football. I'm obviously biased uh, towards my son, as we, we all are. But I think he processes information better than anybody at the college level. So I did a tape on him to kind of start this thing out. Like, I want to show you how I look at the game and what I want to see from a processing standpoint. And then I'm going to start to break down these top six guys, maybe more if I can get to it time-wise. Um, but, you know, I, I went and kind of did my, my, my thing yesterday on Caleb Williams and on Drake May, and it is so hard when you look at the schemes that they're running to know, can these guys process information? Can they get from one to two to three? Can they make pre-snap determinations as opposed to just pick a side and try to, try to find the open guy? So it, it, to me, it's, it's a really, really tough thing to do. Yeah, you know, for me, when I watch a guy get through a progression, I watch guys who eliminate the front side of the progression, like almost pre-snap. They're like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like the leverage. And, you know, we marvel at a guy that gets back to the backside to three or to four so quickly. And it's really because your ability to recognize front side leverage and things of that nature and to be able to eliminate that post-snap instantly and get to where you want to go, and that's the thing that you just don't see. Like, I'm going to hold on the front side until my guy, you know, beats inside leverage on a slant, and I'm just going to continue to hold it and hold it and hold it. I I just think it's really hard. How difficult of that transition for you? Because I know you went from, what, Northern Iowa to the Barnstormers to, you know, all the things that you did and then became a Hall of Fame quarterback. What was that transition like for you from college to the professional game? Well, and let me just say this, Mark. They don't even have plays that are dictated that way. You know, when I was watching Caleb Williams, it was almost like we're going to run mirrored concepts on both yes. sides. So it's not like, hey, start here or eliminate this and then get to that. It was more just, hey, pick a side. Or a lot of teams run what I call a pure progression type uh, offense now, where it means that no matter what the coverage is, we're going to start with this guy first and then this guy second, and then this guy third. So there is no process of, oh, it's cover two. That's not a good concept. Let me get to the other side. Let me see the rotation. Let me count the numbers and where I have an advantage. So that's not even in play with a lot of these quarterbacks and what they're, you know, what they're doing offensively. Now, let me just make one caveat before I, I get into your question, Mark, is that you know, Patrick Mahomes, when he came out and was at Texas Tech, you know, I had a lot of the same questions with Patrick Mahomes, is that, okay, I'm seeing him throw a slant into the third window. Like, nobody throws a slant in the third window. That's, that's just a guy standing back there going, okay, I'm going to throw it to this guy no matter what, and I'm just finding a window for him. Uh, you know, the technique. Had some technique issues that, that gave him problems in college. And then you get to the NFL, and it didn't take me long when he was there to go, okay, he has ability that I didn't see in college uh, in his ability to process and see things, you know, pre-snap and post-snap. C.J. Stroud, another one, really good college quarterback, don't get me wrong, but they played more of a, a long game. You know, it was more drop back, push the ball down the field, all translatable throws. But then he gets to Houston, and their offense is very much quick to intermediate throws, and his ability to process and tie his eyes and feet together last year 
was second to none in the National Football League. And this is as a rookie, all things I couldn't see in college because they weren't asking him to do that. And so that's where it gets so hard is, A, they're not asking him to do that, so it's hard to evaluate it. And, B, do they have some of these skills that we just can't see and we've got to guess off of? Back to your question on my transition, the one thing that I will say is, no matter where I was playing, whether it was Northern Iowa or whether I played in arena football or in Europe, uh, I played the game the same way, and it was about the things we're talking about, processing, understanding concepts, you know, coverages, what I was seeing, who I was getting my eyes on, how to process and, and get through my progressions quickly, anticipation, letting the ball go because I was able to, to get, find those defenders and lay the ball out there, which is something you don't see a lot in college, a lot of you know, anticipatory throws. A lot of it is, oh, I've got to see him come open, and then I have to rip it. How does that work in the NFL when these guys are so good, they're open for a split second, if you don't hit them, now the defender's there. And so I was at least doing that, even though you know I was doing it in different places. I was at least doing that. So when I got to the NFL and was asked to do that, it was something that I was very, very good at, um, whereas these guys haven't been doing it as much in college. So what is that transition like? Can they do that at the next level? Busy with Hall of Famer Kurt Warner. So, Kurt, then, if it – if this transition is difficult, should we be taking a closer look? Should we be more interested, intrigued in some of these young quarterbacks who came into the league, struggled, and now maybe two, three years into their career might be ready to take off? Mark is a, a big proponent of Sam Darnold along those lines of thinking. How about you? Well, I mean, you know, I think we see guys like a Jordan Love. You know, in college, he was kind of up and down as well. You know, when you saw him come out, it threw a lot of interceptions, made a lot of questionable decisions. You saw the talent to go with it. But, okay, how's that going to translate to the NFL? Now he gets a chance to sit for a few years behind Aaron Rodgers, and he comes in and has an unbelievable season and then just gets better and better as he plays more. You know, Sam Darnold gets kind of thrown into the mix, and he's thrown into some tough situations. And... I never saw that from him. I've seen moments from Sam, but I've never seen consistency from Sam. Is that because he was thrown in and he's trying, you know, to swim upstream because he wasn't ready? You know, how about Justin Fields? Here's another one, which is such a tough situation because I don't think he was ready to be asked to do what Chicago wanted him to do. Yet he was still thrown in there and had to play. So now he's had different coordinators. He's had different pieces around him. He's trying to muddle through it and figure out, how do I have success at this level? And, you know, and again, depending on how you look at it, you can say he's had a level of success uh, at this level. But he hasn't shown the consistency to be able to read and play and get the ball out on time. And so now you sit here, and, and he's, whatever, four years in, um, you know, at this point, are going to be going into his fourth year, and we're sitting here going, okay, do we pay him and keep him? Do we let him go? Do we have any idea who he is? Because we threw him in, and he didn't get a chance to put his best foot forward right off the bat, and we've got to make an assessment on him. So it's so different from when Mark and I were in the league, where a lot of guys came in and sat for a year or two and you know, had to learn the ropes of, of the situation. You know, then we could find out what they are. So many of these guys are thrown in and thrown into bad situations, and they never get a chance, I don't think, to develop and be ready to actually ask to play. Top three quarterbacks in the league that you like to watch. Oh, man. I mean, Patrick's obviously number one. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's, to me, it's as much about physically. Everybody falls in love with the physical. I love 
the mental side of it. Um, the next guy for me would be Joe Burrow, uh, again, because he plays the game the way that I play the game, and so I, I like to see the game from that perspective and through those eyes. I mean, I think he's as good as anybody at seeing information and processing it and getting the ball out and playing with accuracy. Um, and then, you know, just based off of last year, I couldn't wait to throw on the C.J. Stroud tape. You know, his ability to connect his technique to his eyes, to see it. He was an effortless thrower. Uh, those were the three guys that, that I look at. And, again, you know, probably biased because I like to, to watch guys play the game. I love to watch Lamar. I love to watch Josh. Those kind of guys play as well. Um, but those guys, because they played the game, they play the game more similarly to how I did, so that's how I would like to watch tape, were three guys that jumped out at me last year. Do you think that you and uh, Sean Payton have a lot in common when it comes to looking at quarterbacks? <laughs> uh, I, well, I mean, just knowing what he did with Drew Brees, because, again, Drew Brees was probably the guy that I would liken to the way that I played uh, as much as anybody over the years. Uh, from that perspective, yeah, I think we would, uh, we would see the game and understand what we're asking a quarterback to do on given plays very similarly. One of my favorite guys to talk to who has become a friend is Mike Martz, and um, I love the way he sees football, and he's got some snark to him that I really appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a little of that, too. A little yeah. of that, too. Kurt, man, it's always great catching up, buddy. Thank you so much for popping on. We appreciate you. You got it. Thank you. All right, Kurt Warner, Hall of Fame. Kurt Warner. Uh, joining us right there on the Johnson Auto Plaza. What a great story. Hotline. What a oh, great the, You can make a movie out of it. Yeah. <laughs> they should. Uh, coming up, George Payton talking at the scouting combine in Indianapolis. He just spoke recently. We'll hear from George coming up next. It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, 1043, The Fan. Wow, that was so good. Kurt Warner. Hall of Fame, Kurt Warner. I learned so much about <laughs> oh, come on. quarterbacks. Oh, my God. Evaluating quarterbacks. Stuff I'd never heard before. Yeah. Would, wow. Honestly, would you like to apologize and to it's me just, now? You know, so much credibility yeah. attached to would it. Would you, you know? like to apologize to me now? Oh, I've known you. I, I've, I've always known you were right about what you were saying. I'm just like giving you grief. means more when it comes from a quarterback. It does. It yeah. does. It does mean more. But it you, is, it you is, were right. But. It is incredibly hard to evaluate. It doesn't mean like just because I don't like like I don't like Drake May. I'm like mm -hmm. it, again, it's a very small sample size. It's not so much. It really isn't so much an indictment on Caleb Williams or Drake May or or Bo Nix or any of these guys as much as it is an indictment on college football. Just doing such a poor job in preparing quarterbacks to be ready to come into the pros. Yeah, he, he mentioned mirrored concepts. And, and what he means by mirrored concepts is you have like a two-by-two two formation. And on one side, you're running like a stick combination, which means a, a inside guy runs a six-yard out and the outside guy runs a go. And you're running double stick on each side of the formation. So it's not like if the front side, if the defense that they're running takes the front side away, guess what? If it's the same defense on the back side, it takes it away too. So you're not running concept on one side, stick on one side, and running double slants on the other side to take advantage of like, okay, if they're in man, that's a better concept. The double the double slants is a better concept. You're not doing that. College, 
we're, we're just gonna just gonna run barn both right. sides both sides just throw it to a guy that's open oh <laughs> George Payton Broncos GM in title uh, at the uh, combine in Indianapolis just got done speaking and we got a lot of stuff here so let's get right into it uh, George talking about what the salary cap increase some thirty million dollars. What it means? Yeah, I mean, it impacts us. It just provides more flexibility than we thought we had. You know, we felt like we we're going to be able to do what we needed to do, and then we got the spike, and, and now maybe we can do more or plan more uh, for the future. So it just provides us and really all the teams uh, more flexibility moving forward. Now, with uh, free agency, even if the Broncos find themselves in a position with money to spend, George doubling down what he said after the season as to what the approach will be in free agency. We're not going to be as aggressive as last year. You know, we, we, we have flexibility, but we're going to, you know, just be more measured and, and try to fill specific, you know, positions, specific, specific needs, um, you know, throughout the, the team. But uh, feel like we'll have the flexibility to do that. But we're not going to be like, you know, we can't do that every year and, and be aggressive like we we're, were last year. You like that approach? Yeah. Or would you prepare they'd be, uh, would you no. want them to be day one players? You know how I feel about day one free agents. You're paying A, grade A money to grade B players. Yeah. Yep. And so I would much rather them be judicious in their approach to the players that they want to go after and make sure they're not overpaying for marginal talent. They they tried that with, with mixed results. I'm, I'm okay with going the different that different approach. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, <laughs> this is what we're paying you for, Sean Payton. This is why you're still here, George Payton. Right. Go find me the diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Go find me the the deals. Go find me the bargains. Go, Go find me the, the players that are being overlooked. Don't overpay for a descending player. Underpay for an ascending player. You know, the, when you get the first day of free agency, you're overpaying for descending players. You're playing, paying for players that are on the downside of their careers where as you wait a little bit, now you've got to be able to project and you've got to be able to, to look at the film and study it, but you've got to say, hey man, if I paid this amount of money, at least this guy's ascending and be, he's on the precipice of becoming a really good player. Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner just talked about how difficult it is to evaluate these quarterbacks coming out of college. What say you, George Payton? You just want to get around them as much as you can. You know, I was fortunate to see, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks uh, during the fall, and then and, and that's one step of the process. And then you have the all-star games, and then you have the combine, and then you have pro days and maybe private workouts. So as much as you can get around them and see what, you know, what makes them tick. You know, Sean talked about leadership. What's the day-to-day -day like? And what do their teammates feel about them? You can evaluate the arm strength, the accuracy, the athleticism. You know, being able to process is a little more difficult. But I think the more you can get around them, the better decisions, you know, you'll make. And, and really, isn't that the only real tangible benefit of the combine now is the, the chance to poke and prod these guys, the medicals, and the chance to meet with them, interview them, get to know them, put them up in front of a, a whiteboard, give them plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because anything they do, is there really anything physically they're going to do that's no. going to you know, change no. your opinion? You just heard George talk about process. Really hard to figure out how they process. Can they process? So that's where, and have they ever been asked to process? Will that will that part of that transition will that will it be like like Brock Purdy, 
like C.J. Stroud, or or you know, will it be like Bryce Young? I mean, that those are hard. Those are hard questions asking. That's why or, there's so many guys that miss. Or Paxton Lynch. Sometimes it's too easy. Yeah. Uh, well, as far as those meetings. They're going to be meeting with J.J. McCarthy tonight. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, just like, you know, seven or eight other of the quarterbacks. We're still working through the process. Obviously, he's a winner. He's won a lot. Uh, he has talent. And uh, so look forward to spending time with him, I think, tonight. Ooh, how about that? A pool of seven or eight quarterbacks. Pool of seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And have talent. They're not taking a quarterback at 12. The talent is, there's no question they have talent. But again, it's, you know, like we just heard from Kurt Warner, something we've never heard on this program before. Never. First so, time ever. Yeah. Heard it here like, first. It's really hard to evaluate their ability to process because the college system is so crappy. <laughs> Let's listen to these next two sound bites from uh, George Payton closely when asked about training up, ostensibly for a quarterback. I think you'd have to love, uh, really have to love someone. I mean, to move up to the one, I don't know if we have the, the draft capital to do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything's up. You know, we're open for anything, but that would be hard to move up to number one, realistically. You know what he just said there? What did he just say? There ain't nobody worth moving up out of this quarterback draft class. There's nobody worth moving up for. Sean Payton is on record as saying that Caleb Williams is a generational quarterback. That was a year ago before the this season played out, so I'm just telling you. That's what he's saying. Yeah? Yeah. All right, what does he say when he says this? Yeah, it's easier to trade down, you know, with where we're at at number 12. And, you know, it just depends on who's there. We feel like there's, you know, 12 to 15 players that are really, you know, we have high grades on. And so we think it's, you know, where we're picking, you know, is going to be very valuable if we do want to move down. So if you take him at his uh, face value word, there's no way they're trading up, and it sounds like more likely they'll trade down. However, isn't this the time of year where if their lips are moving, they're lying? So what is it? Um, I believe, I believe they are actively seeking an opportunity to trade down because they know they need picks. They know they need to, and, and they know, frankly, because. The quarterbacks who get elevated, what happens when the quarterbacks get elevated? It means really good pit players fall. So if they can move down from 12 to, say, 18 and then pick up an additional pick, I don't know what the value is on that. Is it a second rounder? I don't know. Oh, I would think you'd get a second rounder out of that, yeah. Yeah. That if we could do that, that would bolster us and we're st- bolster us, you know, from a just from a depth standpoint, and um, we could still get two really good players. Because let, let's face it, if Bo Nix goes up and Penix goes up and JJ McCarthy goes up, and you got the three guys in May and Daniels and and Caleb Williams, like what I just list six players. That means six really good football players who actually deserve to be drafted are going to get pushed down. Did you hear any kind of misdirection there that leads you to think that this is all misdirection and that they are absolutely no. going to take and, if needed, move up for a quarterback? Uh, absolutely not. Because 
based on the evaluation, based on the film that I'm looking at, based on all that stuff, I think that there are enough question marks there to say we think that we'd be better served, you know, maybe drafting a guy in the second round or later in the first round and, you know, and, and again, accumulating picks. I I think there's almost that, there's almost that, hey, we're open for business to move out of 12 if you if there's somebody in that top 12 as a franchise and you're outside of that top 12 that you have to have as a dance partner. Just listening to all this for the first time and listening to it at face value, it, it sounds, but I, I do leave room for the idea that if they're talking, they're lying. And there could be some subterfuge going on there. So leave room for that. That possibility. Great work by uh, Johnny Fever turning that around quickly. Got a lot of George Payton. We'll have more from George and Sean uh, talking at the Combine. As uh, <laughs> Like a lot of coaches that are deciding, the Combine ain't for me. Uh, Sean's there. So place whatever value you will mm-hmm. on that. We are done. Great work. Thank you to uh, Rogue, Sidney Core behind the uh, glass, Johnny Fever as well. Thanks to all of you listening. Great job on the text line. We appreciate it like you uh, can't imagine. Drive safe if you uh, are finding yourself in this uh, little snowstorm right now. Be safe. We'll see you again tomorrow morning starting at 6. Josh and Stoke coming up next.